Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 4, 8 through 13, called The Secret of Contentment. Learning about the secret of contentment. As you turn there, uh, it is a 4th of July weekend, and I just want to acknowledge uh, the blessing that we have to live in a country like the United States of America. It is a blessing, and uh, amen. So if you have a chance to barbecue or whatever you're going to do tomorrow, enjoy the day. Let's just remember that our country was founded on some very important principles, and yes, it was founded by flawed men. Uh, and women, but at the same time, they had a, a real sense of the divine. In fact, uh, most of the signers were committed believers, and the ones that weren't still believed in God and had a faith. And they founded the country on biblical principles. And uh, we are the inheritors of that. We fought a revolutionary war, our country fought a civil war. I think we lost uh, 600,000 Americans in the Civil War alone. Christians were largely responsible for the abolition of slavery and the things that were wrong in the country. And still we have our issues and we have our problems. But we fought a couple of world wars and so forth. Much blood was shed to secure what you enjoy right now. And I pray that we don't lose it. I pray that we don't forget our history and walk away from the God who I believe has blessed this nation. So uh, tomorrow is a special holiday, and I would encourage you to do a couple things. One, keep praying for the country. Pray for our leaders. uh, Pray that we return to the Lord. And remember that it always starts with God's people. Every revival has been a return of God's people to the preaching of God's word and to the living of God's word. So let's pray for that. And and let's pray that the Lord would work in our hearts as well, and that we'd have grateful hearts for all that we've been blessed with as we enjoy the life that God has given to us. Today's text is the secret of contentment. We're moving verse by verse through Philippians. I'm going to ask you to stand one more time for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand with us. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us via live stream. We love you, and... uh, This is the word of the Lord, Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Father, 
Thank you for your living word. This is such a wonderful section. I believe a revolutionary section for many of us to see what you have for us today and to put it into practice. We have a promise of the peace of God in verse 7 and the God of peace being with us in this text. And we're grateful for that promise, Lord. And we want to learn the secret of contentment. And it is a secret for many in our culture and many in the church and perhaps many of us. Maybe we are a discontented people. Would you help us, Lord, to hear what the Spirit would say to your people at this very moment? Teach us contentment in Christ. Amen. You can have a seat. The secret of contentment. I was thinking of David when he wrote Psalm 23, and he said, The Lord is my shepherd. Do you remember? I shall not want. Now, when David wrote Psalm 23... He was talking about the good shepherd who takes care of the most important needs in our lives. And the most important need that we have in our lives is for him. He is the key to contentment. When the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not be in want or be in need of anything. And you say, what does that mean? Well, that means this, that all the core most important things that you need are found in the Good Shepherd. And I'm talking about spiritual realities now. I'm talking about the fact that David goes on to say, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, remember? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So in the Good Shepherd, all of our most important needs are taken care of. And that's why David could say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. But let's face it. Contentment is a quiet secret, says one writer, known only to a cherished few. It seems like even though we know the principle of contentment, we have a tough time being content. We are the most blessed society that maybe has ever lived on the planet in terms of things at our fingertips. And yet we live in a very discontented age with discontentment all around us. It seems like contentment is always just a little bit away from our grasp. You ask, what's the definition of contentment? Here's uh, one if you're taking notes. It does point to happiness, contentment does. But the root idea of the word is to have need of nothing. Need of nothing is the key word. It's not want, it's need The story is told of a farmer who lived on the same farm his whole life. It was a good farm. But with the passing years, the farmer began to tire of it. He longed for change, for something better. Every day he found a new reason for criticizing some feature of the old place. Finally, he decided to sell and listed the farm with a real estate broker who promptly prepared a sales advertisement. As one might expect, he emphasized all the farm's advantages, ideal location, modern equipment, healthy stock, acres of fertile ground, etc. Before placing the ad in the local paper, the realtor called the farmer and read the copy of the ad for his approval. When he had finished, the farmer cried out, Hold everything! I've changed my mind! I'm not going to sell! I've been looking for a place like that my whole life! And some of us realize that the things that are all around us, including the people around us, we've perhaps taken for granted. 
And there's something very revolutionary in Philippians 4, 8, and 9 that hit me this week, and I believe it was, it's the Lord showing something to us, some fresh manna or insight into this text, and it is this. And I believe that this could be totally transformative for many of you, and it's this. The, the contentment being talked about is not just contentment with circumstances, where you live geographically, etc., it has to do with contentment with people around you. We get discontented with people, and we tend to nitpick their personalities, etc. Contentment means to be satisfied with what one has or what one is, uh, wanting more or nothing else. It's a satisfaction or ease of mind. It is, contentment is really the opposite of worry, and the opposite of something that I've learned about, about in the last year, something called catastrophic thinking. And I would submit to you that many of you suffer from catastrophic thinking. What is that? That in your mind, you create consistent catastrophes. That you take situations, scenarios, what ifs, people, etc., the world, all that's happening, and you create consistent catastrophes. And if you think about this, this is something that you can catch yourself doing. Uh, I was reading a book about uh, uh, some medical stuff, and I came across this concept, and this doctor was talking about people who have catastrophic thinking and the physical effects that it has on the body. And it's not hard to figure out, right? You start thinking about something, and you start creating a catastrophe in your mind that's not reality at all. But that catastrophic thinking is actually the opposite of contentment. And we're going to learn some things about what we're to focus on and how we're to live to overcome these things in our relationships and in our life. Paul opens with a fresh idea, but I believe it's linked to the previous section. And I believe this is the revolution that is partly in the text. That you cannot divorce verses 8 and 9 from an argument or disharmony happening between two women in the Philippian church, namely Euodia and Suntuke. Their situation is mentioned in verses 2 and 3. And Paul has asked his fellow comrade, a church leader in Philippi, to help these women get along. They were both warriors in the gospel. They had come alongside Paul and been very helpful in the gospel ministry in the colony or city of Philippi. But something had happened between them. If you're with us last week, I told you that I don't think it was a main doctrinal issue, else Paul would have brought it up, something that needed to be corrected theologically. It seems to be a personality conflict and a peripheral issue type of conflict. And it had become, it had gotten to the point, it gone on long enough where it got to Paul, to his ears, enough that he would put it in the Philippian letter, which is only four chapters. And many scholars believe that Paul's been kind of hinting at this disagreement as he's talked about unity and so forth. And this is what I want you to see. I want you to see that there is a undoubted connection, though there's a new idea here, to the disagreement between the two women. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? 
Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. We are over halfway through this year. And you have raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast equipping people with God's truth. Now, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcasts and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We are looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. This disagreement as he's talked about unity and so forth, and this is what I want you to see. I want you to see that there is an undoubted connection, though there's a new idea here, to the disagreement between the two women. I'm going to read directly from my notes so that we don't miss, any, miss anything. What is potentially revolutionary for many of us is to apply verse 8, to apply verse 8 to people, especially those with whom we are struggling. With the conflict between Euodia and Suntuki in the immediate context, this may well be what Paul is after. After all, when we struggle to live in harmony with others, here believers in Christ, it is because we've decided to focus on what about them bothers us. We cannot seem to find the good. Paul has extolled or praised both these women in verse 3, giving us an example and setting the tone for what he will say in these verses. He had called upon them to be gentle and reasonable with one another, verse 5, and to pray, essentially pray for one another as part of this, which would include petitioning God for those with whom we struggle and are a source of anxiety, and God promises a peace that will guard our hearts, etc. The old saying is that it is hard to stay mad at someone for whom you are praying. If verse 8 follows this pattern, then the lesson is not just about finding the best in life, generally being content with, you know, circumstances, etc., living conditions, whatever, job, etc., but finding the best in people, especially those with whom we struggle 
and primarily focus on their weaknesses or flaws or the worst in them. This then is a call to see the best in others, to see them as God sees them. Take a look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Now, before we get into the six uh, phrases that scholars have talked about lie in synonymous parallelism, that just means there's, there's, there are in pairs of twos that equal six, and we'll talk about that in a second. You almost get the idea that Paul's use of the word whatever, if there's anything, has the idea that he's saying, look for the good. If you, whatever you can find, if there's anything praiseworthy, begin to dig down and mine for those things. Because you all know that if you are struggling with a relationship right now, whether it's your spouse or some other relationship, family member, work, uh, you know, a neighbor, whatever it is, we can get into a mode where we are constantly seeing the flaw in that person. And we have stopped looking for anything good in them. We have become catastrophic in our thoughts toward that person. And so the word whatever is found six times, the word any once, and the word anything once each. And you get the idea that Paul is saying, just look for something good. And you almost get the feel that he's talking still about these two women. And saying, hey, if, if you want to resolve this, you guys have to pray for one another and start looking for the best in each other rather than the worst. This is the key to live in harmony but it's also a key of overcoming anxiety because when we have relationships like this, it is a main source of anxiety in our lives. We're always kind of undone and discombobulated by interactions and the like. And so we have to find the key here. And the key, Paul is saying, is about focus. And he's giving us thoughts about contentment. Well, what does he say? Well, in the six parallel phrases, if you pick it up in verse 8 with me, he starts off with, finally, brethren, whatever is true. The Greek word for true is unconcealed, constant, valid, trustworthy, correct. This is a mind that is stayed on God. God is the God of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So we have to look at what's true. Now, what do we know about people that's true? We know that God loves people, that God, that God made people in his image. And more than that, if you are struggling with a Christian brother or sister, the Holy Spirit lives in them, Christ in them, the hope of glory. Far be it from me to not see what's true in them, what's real, authentic, etc., a mind that is consistently contemplating truth, i.e. God's word, and has a focus on God, will start to see people through God's eyes and see what's actually true of them. Think about Jesus and his ministry. How many times are you surprised when you read the Gospels that he doesn't focus on people's weaknesses, including the apostles, but rather elevates their strengths, what God knows they will become or what they will ultimately be? 
And this is one of the truths that Paul says is going to help all of us. To reject lies. The devil is a liar. He's the father of lies, John 8, 44. And rather, to ground our view in truth, how God loves people. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable is the kind of parallel phrase here. They're related but not exactly the same. Yep, uh, whatever is true, whatever is honorable. The definition here is worthy of respect. It signifies moral excellence. It points ultimately to Christ, who is the noble, honorable one, of course. But it also points to elders and leaders who are to be honorable people. It signifies dignity, depth, and excellence. It is indeed seeing Christ in others. What do I see that's noble about that person? What can I accentuate that is positive? The word just, uh, the next two are just and pure. The word just refers to what is right. What do they do that's right? The broad sense of the word is in view here and includes thought and action. Here it speaks of justness, rightness, good character. And then pure is what is morally beautiful, undefiled. It speaks of moral purity. It points to Christ ultimately. We're to purify ourselves just as he is pure But we're to look for what is pure in people as well. Beauty about them. Perhaps sometimes it's the beauty of their innocence. Sometimes it's the beauty of how they look at things, etc. Notice whatever is lovely as we move down the verse here. Whatever is lovely speaks of that which is pleasing and amiable, kind and gracious. It's what is beautiful in God and beautiful in people. The only ones made in His image are people. You've been listening to The Secret of Contentment, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 4, verses 8 through 13. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We're looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so that what we have from the church can be used for expansion please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you never thought about contentment as it relates to other people. Maybe you just thought about it as it relates to your job or your bank account or your life. And uh, now you've heard something about being content with other people. 
finding the best in others. Uh, how do you do that? What is the secret of contentment in people and life circumstances? Well, I think the key is Christ is our contentment. And when we know him and we serve him first, then I think we can put everything else where it belongs. Matthew 6.33, the famous verse, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and he'll add everything unto you. You know, discontentment is at the root of so much that happens, but if we walk in contentment, everything else will take care of itself, including relationships. Now, I'd like to invite you to our Wednesday night service here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We are winding down and wrapping up a verse-by-verse study through the book of Exodus. We've just gone through the tabernacle. Uh, it's an amazing study. We hope to air the book of Exodus soon, right here on Walk in Truth. Wednesday nights at Living Truth in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor, begin at 7 p.m. It's a great midweek fellowship time, usually a little bit more casual, kind of unplugged uh, acoustic worship, if you will, and uh, a message from the Word of God, some wonderful fellowship. If you'd like info and directions to the city of Corona, to Living Truth, for any of our services, call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, if you're outside of the area, you can always catch the Wednesday night service on our YouTube channel. Check it out when you go to walkintruth.com and you can find the YouTube channel right there or search for us on YouTube. God bless you. We'll see you next time for the second part of The Secret of Contentment. See you here. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 4, 8 through 13, called The Secret of Contentment. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.